1: Hey guys, LD here with a content and trigger warning for our audience. This episode deals with sexual allegations with a minor, pedophilia, abuse, and inappropriate behavior around children. Listener discretion is strongly advised. You're
0: digging the Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast with LD, Will the Thrill, and (coughs) TJ2.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is Will Thrill.
2: And to that, I say greetings and salutations. Mm, what are you drinking? Well, since I am officially off work, I am enjoying the offshore, I'm sorry, offshoot, relax, hazy IPA.
1: Nice. And... Back on the scene, if you know what I mean. We're happy to have him back, Mister TJ Two the Deuce. Are you eating trail mix? I, I can't. Was that a, was that a sound? Woo! There it is. <laughs> mm. Howdy. <laughs> what just happened?
3: I uh, opened the beer and took a sip
1: what kind of beer are you very drinking? stealthy
3: okay good okay this is going to take a, a minute this may be an a, its own episode just me reading the name of this edmund's oast order of magnitude imperial sour ale brewed with lactose and sea salt with passion fruit mango and guava added <laughs>
1: well Uh, if uh we want to thank all of our listeners for checking out episode 20 of michael jackson uh if you (laughs) like
3: we we heard about the guava and passion fruit and lactose and uh, beer congratulations
1: yeah still not saying our website (laughs) that is that is like fiona apple album title level of very much
2: so (laughs) she has the record correct
1: No, no.
3: it's the longest one that I've ever seen. It it, in that it's like a 500 word poem.
1: No, it was uh, it was not. It is. It's been dethroned. That's a
3: pretty dubious. That's a pretty dubious distinction. What happened in the good old days when you had to do something like ride an elevator for seven days to get your name in the Guinness Book? Used (laughs) to mean something. Damn it! Like, (laughs) hey, look, we're the world's fattest brothers, and we're on mopeds.
2: Those guys are amazing. Well, wasn't that your picture LD for like a fantasy league one time? Yes,
1: it was called The Biggest Pair. That's what it was.
3: <laughs> this uh, Imperial Sour is extremely sour. Uh, just
1: so you guys know, it the longest album title of all time is no longer Fiona Apple. It is now Chumbawamba's 2008 album with 156 words with the album title The Boy bands have won, but that's just what they call it. Because okay, I'm mean gonna just here's a fun fact before we jump into some very uh, serious stuff. I'm but,
3: cut before we jump into some very serious stuff, I'm up.
1: <laughs> the full album title is "The Boy Bands Have Won, and All the Copyists and the Tribute Bands and the TV Talent Shows Producers Have Won." If we allow our culture to be shaped by mimicry, whether from the lack of ideas or from exaggerated respect. You should never try to freeze culture. What you can do is recycle that culture. Take your own brother's hand-me-down jacket and restyle it. Refashion it to the point where it becomes your own. But don't just regurgitate creative history or hold art and music and literature as fixed untouchable and keep it under glass. The people who try to guard any particular form of music are, like the copyist and the manufactured bands, doing it the worst disservice because the only thing that you can do to music that will damage it is not change it not make it your own because then it dies then it's over then it's done and the boy bands have won
2: that's catchy
3: an excerpt right from off the
1: an hey. excerpt from mark relance's tony Award-winning speech
3: yeah like i think i'm just gonna like, what like what's what's your your album title it's uh it's all the words in the book of leviticus <laughs>
2: <laughs> still not saying hey, our you Go
3: read, read, read leviticus and that's uh that's the title of our album
2: See, so i don't, don't believe this the- I don't believe it because I refuse to believe Chumbawamba has released an album since the end of the '90s. I do not believe that.
1: You would be wrong, clearly. Oh, man. But that's the thing: is like everybody gets Chumbawamba wrong because they think, "Oh, they're this fun band about we'll be singing when we're winning." No, like they are a hyper political rock band that continues to put out music. So there you go. Mm.
0: No, yep. they're
3: just that one thing. They're just oh, get knocked down. A whiskey drink, can a vodka drink, can a
1: cider drink. That's
0: them.
2: It's like we were listening to them. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, I know. I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop him because it was, it was just. Please continue. Like you're there. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's turn our attention to something more depressing. We had uh, five, I think five major things happened This week, first and foremost, of course, we are not a political podcast. We try not to bring any kind of politics in this, but I do want to say right at the top of the show, our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers are with the family and friends of the folks of Uvalde, Texas, uh, for the tragic event that happened this week. Yesterday would have been their last day at school, and it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, no child should die that way. And so we would like to say that we, we are thinking of you guys and I, we know that thoughts and prayers don't do much, but you know, in this world, we, we, we can't make the laws, but we can hopefully change some things and make it a little bit better. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And we're going to move on because we had uh, three wonderful musicians pass away this week. On top of somebody else I'm going to mention, usually don't mention actors, but uh, he has been so prevalent, and I did mention him about three weeks ago when we did our Slap Nuts, and that's Ray Liotta.
2: Sure. We honored him by watching Goodfellas last night.
1: We did. I mentioned him because we were talking about our favorite video games, and I was talking about how one of my favorite video games is Grand Theft Auto by City. And he does the voice of the lead character. So I'm just gonna stop mentioning people unless they're already dead because this sounds like my fault.
3: That would that that would be best. Just just don't don't say other people's names.
1: I, I, I won't. <laughs> Will you're doing the intro from now on? But don't pass it along to me. I don't want the curse. <laughs> All right. The other one is we lost Andy Fletcher of uh Depeche Mode. Oh
3: man, Depeche was great.
1: They really were.
3: Yeah, Violet was a fantastic album.
1: Still is. Yeah,
3: because that, that's uh, what, uh, Personal Jesus and Enjoy the Silence and a bunch of great ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm world tra- in your eyes, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what mode Depeche actually is. Is that with ice cream or? <laughs> no? Yeah. Oh, but we also lost Alan White, who is a drummer for a prog rock band, Yes. He passed away at age 72.
3: I would say they're pretty much the, one of the definitive prog rock Bands in the history of that genre. Uh,
1: fully agree. Them and Raj. I mean,
3: I mean, you think uh 15-minute keyboard solos? Yes, immediately, yes, <laughs> brings to mind. They had some great songs, though. I really, I mean, I really like a lot of Yes's stuff. But yeah, they, at the uh, prog rock, they could get lost up their own butt a little bit sometimes. But. Uh, Yes was one, probably the one of the best of a lot and uh, had a had a ton of great, did a ton of great stuff. Well, I so mean, that's, like, that was that though.
2: Supremely talented. I mean, unbelievably yeah. gifted.
1: Owner of a Lonely Heart is such a great really, like a classic 80s song. Like you listen to that and you're like, yeah, this can only exist in the 80s. Uh, Love Will Find a Way, Changes, Roundabout. Like all those songs are, you know, hands down amazing. And so he will be missed. And now I'm going to turn this uh, pronunciation over to somebody who actually thinks that they can handle it. Cause I know my mush mouth, cannot. So who would like to talk about One Way Mirror?
2: I think I'll take that one up. All right, go for it. We did lose Guillaume Bedeau. He was the vocalist for One Way Mirror and Scarve. Uh, We lost him, I believe, a couple of days ago. Again, 44, extremely young, really, really a loss. I'm trying to see if they publicized the reason for his passing, but it just seems to say that he he has passed away.
1: The news actually came from the current Megadeth drummer, so that is him so again like when we lose people it's never good and unfortunately we lost some big names this week and we just it's it's really hard we're start like we're getting to the age like me and my brother were just talking about this we're getting the age where our heroes are dying and i don't like that (laughs) this week was hard this is a really hard week so i hope that i can make a half decent episode although this one this episode's 12 pages long it's still kind of dense and deals with well. Law. That's um.
3: Uh, that that's about that's about what we uh. That's about the bar we normally clear it, and then about half
2: decent.
1: <laughs> kind of dense, yeah. Kind kind of dense and half decent. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. So, with that, does anybody else have anything they'd like to add to the intro of the this episode?
2: Negative Ghostwriter.
1: All right. So, Will, if you would take it away, please, with our sponsor, BetterHelp.
2: Yes, I will. And like LD said, it's been a tough week. And sometimes those tough weeks can string together. They can be tough months, tough years even. And that's where sometimes you can use a little help because everyone, no matter where they are in life, can use a little help. Think about all the time we spend working on different facets of our lives, our bodies, our jobs. But let me ask you, when was the last time you focused on your mental health? Mm. like most people, it's probably been too long. I know because I was one of those people. I couldn't help but thinking something wasn't right. And it was a series of, again, bad hours turned to bad days, turned to bad weeks, just couldn't figure it out. So I looked into several options, was really having a tough time. And thankfully, I came upon BetterHelp. BetterHelp allows you to get the specific help you need for whatever is eating away at you. They will ask you a series of targeted questions to set you up with the right therapist that you can talk about whatever you want big topics small it doesn't matter the point is the counselor will be tailored to fit your needs it's simple and it gives you access to licensed therapy from the comfort of your home folks yes i know there's a lot of push return to office these days not so much with better help you can still be in the comfort of your home and see a licensed therapist we are proud to have better help sponsor this podcast we are grateful for everything they do and that's why we have a special promo that can be a real game changer for you if you are interested in pursuing therapy through BetterHelp, we have a deal for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com with our code, which is BetterHelp slash So the site BetterHelp.com slash Rock will give you 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast, helping me, and everyone else as well. Better help means better life.
1: So welcome to Michael Jackson, part 20. Hopefully there's only going to be one more episode about this. So fingers crossed, you guys don't feel like I'm breezing through this, but we're all the way up to 2003. So there's only six years (laughs) left in Michael Jackson's life. And to recap at this point, Michael has already actually recorded the last album of his life. Any other releases at this point will be posthumous. What's even sadder is by 2000, Michael had actually given his last complete stage performance of his life unless you take into account the few lines that he's saying of We Are the World at the 2006 World of Music Awards at the Apollo Theater. And there are two really big things that happened in 2003, which is the reason why this is going to be a 21-part series. And then you were saying?
2: Yeah, I was surprised that he did not make any public appearances, save that one for the last almost 10 years of his life. Is that right?
1: Well, you're going to see that he, when he passes, he is prepping for a big comeback called This Is It. Mm. Just hold on to that because we will get there. Got it. No one understands quite why he did this, but he allowed a gentleman named Martin Bashir to interview him. So Living with Michael Jackson is a television documentary, which Martin Bashir interviewed Michael Jackson over the span of eight months from May 2002 to January 2003 about different aspects of his life. It was first shown in the United Kingdom on ITV as a Tonight special on the 3rd of February 2003, and then in the United States three days later on ABC, introduced by Barbara Walters. In 2003, the BBC aired Lewis Martin and Michael, a documentary by British filmmaker Lewis Trudeau, who originally tried to reach out to Uri Geller to interview Jackson after losing out to Bashir. So they, they, people are clamoring to get an inside peek into Michael Jackson's life.
2: Sure. Everyone seemed like they were.
1: Yeah. Living with Michael Jackson begins at the Neverland Ranch, where Michael and Martin tour the estate grounds. They face off in a race car match, and later Jackson explained that he writes songs by composing the lyrics and not the music because the music will write itself. Upon being requested by Bashir, that he demonstrates that through dancing, he becomes a physical embodiment of the music. Afterwards, the singer admits that the house theme of Peter Pan was so inspirational because he felt like he was Peter Pan. They go out to the giving tree, a tree which Michael gets inspiration to write his songs. While the footage of Jackson 5 is shown, he seems to get emotional upon recalling how Joe, his father, would watch his sons rehearse dance steps with a belt and physically abuse them if they ever made a misstep. He states that he had felt a deep fear of his father, and that's why he never laid a hand on his children. Bashir notes that this must have left a really deep impact on the young Michael. After Neverland, Bashir follows him to the Four Seasons Hotel in Las Vegas, and in Las Vegas, Jackson speaks about the love of his life, his changing his appearance, and his children. When Bashir inquires if he has any other girlfriends when he was young, Michael recounts the time when one-time girlfriend Tatum O'Neal wanted to make love with him, but he backed down because he was not ready. Martin and Jackson also visited a shopping center where Jackson reportedly spent over $1 million in one store on furniture for a new house. The subject of his changing appearance is brought up, but again, Jackson denies deliberately bleaching his skin. My God, leave this man alone about bleaching his skin. This is the third time.
3: Yeah, this comes up all the time. And if if what I've read is correct, the allegation that you could even do that is kind of false. Like it's, it's almost not even the thing that could actually be done.
1: Yeah. Bleach
2: his skin?
3: Yeah.
1: So... When you have vitiligo, there's a a very famous model named, I think it's Wendy. I want to say Wendy. Um, But she was on America's Next Top Model and she has vitiligo. And vitiligo is what sets her apart from other models. And it's, it's really beautiful because it's symmetrical. But typically I grew up with someone in high school and she had vitiligo and there was literally nothing that she could do about it. Like it wasn't, there was no skin bleaching, nothing. And so but I don't I, understand why this keeps coming up.
3: But I, from, if what I've read is correct, the, the idea that you can bleach your skin is actually false. There are certain yeah. things you could do to lighten it, darken it a little, but to, to bleach the pigment out of your skin, I don't, I, I, I may be mistaken. I don't think it's even a thing that can, is a, is a real thing that happens. I don't mm-hmm. think you can do that.
1: No, because I, like, as far as I know, no, because I suffer from rosacea. And if I could just get a creamy white face, as opposed to having like splotchy red skin that I have to cover up with makeup, then heck yeah, I would totally line up for that, but I don't think it exists.
3: Well, I've, I've, well, I'm, as a possessor of a pasty white face, let me tell you, it's a tad overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's something you want to aspire to or not.
1: I mean, sort of, Yeah sort of. <laughs> he also denied using implants on his cheeks or having a cleft put in his chin or having his lips enlarged or having his eyelids reconstructed, claiming that the media is ignorant of what they don't understand. Jackson mentioned that he suffered horrible bouts of acne as a teenager. And remember, we actually talked about that. That that would put a hand in Michael going on the microbiotic diet that he's been on for years and as a vegetarian because his acne was now, so
3: bad. that that part of his allegation i don't know if i buy
1: well just he did have, he did suffer from terrible acne and it was no
3: that no no i mean that no that part i no, i'm not that's not the part i'm disputing they oh no, no 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 i never did anything to my chin or my cheeks or my lips just like
1: yeah you, yeah you
2: did i think you <laughs> did I Had several cosmetic surgeries on his nose correct
1: yes from the from the number that i've gotten i there's some i know of four that were documented i think in J. Randy Tarabinelli's book, but I want to say there's people who speculated it was many as 10. Only Michael knows how many plastic surgeries he's had. Right. And I think the point I'm illustrating is he was no stranger to that type
2: of procedure. So,
1: correct. Yeah. But he's, he's denying that he uh, has ever done anything like bleaching his skin, having his lips enlarged, or getting a cleft in his chin. You know what? I you can look at his face in like 1974 and look at his face in 2003 and there is a notable difference. Oh, for sure. And that's that's irrefutable. Whether or not he did it, something drastic happened to his face, and so
3: he. Not to mention that his his lips looked co- considerably different than they did earlier in life.
1: Yeah, well, he was the, specifically he was talking about the the bouts of acne which. We know he suffered from that was like a big part of why he would, you know, take a different elevator or he went to the microbiotic diet and he felt he, he was really alienated from people because his acne was so bad because of the sweat, the makeup, the lights, the sleeping, the eating like he, he, and that's why he specifically went on that diet was to try to clear his face up. But to say he didn't have anything done to his face, yeah, no, that's not true. You can look at him and tell that there's a difference. And he's admitted to having his nose done. Like if he didn't admit it, you, I would say he was crazy, but he admits to, he admits to having his nose done. I wanna say he says two or three times, but he would get made fun of and his father would insult him. And you know, it was just a bad time for him. Afterwards, Martin got to meet the Jackson children prince in Paris who wore masks to conceal their appearance. Jackson then went to Berlin, Germany, and this is where the baby dangling incident occurred that we talked about last week. Jackson also visited the Berlin Zoo and a charity auction and received a humanitarian award at the Bambi Awards. Back at Neverland, Gavin Avrizo interviewed and states that Jackson's support helped him beat his bout with cancer. Jackson admits that sometimes when Gavin stayed with him, Jackson let him sleep in his bed while he slept on the floor. This was corroborated in a separate, unrelated interview by someone named Frank Casio, who confirmed Jackson had insisted that he be present in the room as a chaperone. Frank slept on the floor next to Jackson. When asked what he gets out of his involvement with children, the singer replies that he gains joy because my greatest inspiration comes from kids. After this, Martin said that he felt uneasy about what he views as an apparent obsession with children. He says that he will have to confront Jackson on certain areas of his life about which he feels like he was being less than honest. During January, 2003, Martin met with Jackson in Miami for a final interview and brings the subject up of his face. A very visibly upset Jackson said that he only had two operations on his nose in order to facilitate his singing to which Martin asked how he looked so different from when he was a kid. And then Michael said that there's nothing wrong with plastic surgery and that it wasn't invented for him, which is true. Martin comes to the conclusion that Jackson wanted to change his appearance as a result of his troubled youth and his father's insults. Here, sir, I'm going to say you are not a psychiatrist, psychologist, psychosis, whatever. I don't think you can draw those conclusions. You ask a medical professional about those, which is like, that's what, go ahead. So That's what we call an amateur opinion. Not only that, but like, don't we always say like, Hey guys, we don't know this. And if you do, please let us know.
3: Yeah. We, we don't know, but I, I think we know he had more than two nose jobs. Let's be honest.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the book stated at least four that I can remember. So, and I feel like Jay Randy had some sort of insight into that. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I let me say, I don't care. Michael Jackson was putting out good music, and I don't care. People are hyper fixated on his appearance, and I don't understand why. If it's something that made him happy, let him do it.
3: You sure, know, like, but just uh, shut it. But just shut it down and, t- and say, yeah, you know, not going to talk about that. No, any business.
1: Right, but like as a society, we villainize people who do this. Like we always want to know, like wh- what kind of work did you? Poor Renee Zellweger got her eyes done and hasn't worked. Jennifer Grey lost so many jobs because she got a nose job. Yeah, I
2: remember that one. Yeah. I don't remember the Renee Zellweger though.
1: Oh yeah. Just look it up. Look how different she looks now after her, her, she had a, an eye lift. I think she looks different, but she's not getting work. And it's just like, why are people hyper fixed on what other people's appearances are? If it makes people happy, let them look the way they want to look like, they're those twins
3: because because people are obsessed with everything about celebrities like who they sleep with and what they do and have they had plastic surgery i don't know why but they are uh renee no is some in some new tv show she? i mean i think she's so she is doing some work but is she yeah yeah she's in some show on the nbc and then jennifer gray it it she did she just had a nose job i, I think i mean, she's been pretty open about it and it but it totally changed the way that she looked like completely.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is Renee Zellweger looks completely different now because she got that eye lift, but there are people like the cat woman, like people that call the Catwoman, woman, but, the Versace, the twins, those the two twins that just passed of COVID like we look at them and they get mocked, but if they're happy, w- what is it your business? I'm sorry. I'm on sure, a show. Sure. I mean,
3: sure. No, I'm just saying it, but if you want to change your appearance, that's your business. That's fine. But yeah, if I, I'm Michael, I, I would probably just say, hey, you know, that's, that's none of your business. And I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, if we're being honest, he had more than two. I think he probably had more than four, I would guess. But again, it's his nose. I don't care.
1: Yeah, it's his nose. It's his money. It's his life. Let him live it. I don't care. I don't care. As long as he was putting out good music, he could have looked like the Loch Ness Monster, and I would not have cared.
2: That might have actually boosted his sales. I don't know.
3: <laughs> yeah, that would have that required a lot of plastic surgery. To, to for, for uh, Michael to convert to old Nessie.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, when he was asked about a comment that Jackson's son's prince made that I haven't got a mother, Jackson tells him that Debbie Rowe bore his two children as a gift to him. Because he wanted to be a father so badly. On the subject of Blanket's mother, Jackson contradicts his earlier statement that he had Blanket with a woman with whom he had a relationship by stating that he was a that Blanket's mother was a surrogate mother and that they had not known each other. Martin also repeatedly questioned Jackson as to why he invites children into his room. Jackson defended himself, stating that such an activity is natural when the children are close friends or family, and that that many children, which included the Colkin children's which was Kieran and Macaulay. If you guys remember, they were very close. Michael was very close with Macaulay and Macaulay actually appeared in the video for Black or White. So, I mean, he's had a relationship. They've slept in the same bed as him. And that's actually going to come with the the next thing that we're going to be talking about. Jackson strongly denied that there is a sexual motivation for this. And during these defensive comments, he also stated that he would allow his children to stay with friends, including Barry Gibb, saying that they were sweet people and not Jack the Ripper. (laughs) Michael Jackson felt betrayed by Martin and complained that the film gave him a distorted picture of his behavior and conduct as a father. He said in the final version of the interview, Martin only used the material that supported a negative view. Basically, all of the information that he used, he edited in such a way to make Michael Jackson look like a bad guy or a predator. In response, Jackson and his personal cameraman released a rebuttal interview that showed Martin complimenting Jackson on his abilities as a father and his grace under pressure. I haven't seen the documentary Remarked Madonna because, of course, Madonna weighs in on this. Like I was talking about in the last episode, they do kind of live sort of uber parallel lives in a lot of ways. But I thought, I thought they didn't get along. They did not. Okay. Got I believe, I don't think I touched on it a whole lot, but I believe Michael Jackson called her a pig at some point huh which is
3: weird because you know there was a story at one point that uh they were a little chummy and after the grammys one year they went somewhere and uh looked at each other naked
1: hey you know what
3: um but there's probably people you don't like you'd like to look at naked i mean
1: you can have hate sex that does exist I I
3: never actually read that they had a relationship of any kind. Just, they went somewhere and like, Hey, let's uh, look at each other. (laughs) Real, real story. I think you could find, if you looked. I don't, I don't don't think the one Imperial Sour is going to have me make that up.
1: Again, I'm going to say this. We're already on episode 20 and I've already missed so much (laughs) of Michael Jackson's life. I do not have time for everything. If I did, this would just be the Michael Jackson podcast. At yeah, I mean, point, it, just
3: seems oh, yes. it just seems like you could have, it just seems like you could have mentioned uh, Naked with Madonna in the hotel room, but
1: whatever. <laughs> well, why why do I need to do it? You just did it. There we go. Yeah, covered, covered it. Boom. Covered. Boom. Oh, I haven't seen the documentary r- Remarks Madonna, but it sounds disgusting. Like Bashir exploited a friendship. Publicly humiliating someone for your own gain will only come back and haunt you. I can assure you all these people will be sorry. God's going to have his revenge. And that was a quote from Madonna. Oasis guitarist Noel Gallagher slammed the documentary as typical British journalism, stating that in Jackson's defense, any man that has got a fairground in his back garden uh, and can say to a child, I'm going to build a water park behind that mountain, give him a round of applause. He seems very passionate and he seems like a caring father. So let's not tear him up like... I couldn't believe that came from Noel Gallagher because all I've heard is what's the story Morning Glory and the fact that he just beats the crap out of his brother.
2: Yeah, that wouldn't be an opinion I would have sought out on Michael Jackson, but
3: here we yeah, are. That's, that's, so that's an interesting source. He's pretty right about British journalists and kind of in general, especially their sort of tabloid press.
1: Oh yeah, I've I've spoken about this for years about how much I hate the paparazzi. And uh, I I think that still stands. And I think in Britain, it's even worse than over here.
3: It is. is, And I think British uh, sort of tabloid journalists are the ones that coined the, the name Wacko Jacko, I think.
1: I will double check that, but you're probably not wrong. I mean, it was definitely tabloid people that did Wacko Jacko. I remember that being on the cover of the National Enquirer. So it definitely came from some sort of tabloid fantastical publication, but I don't know which one. But Bashir stated that I don't believe that I betrayed Michael Jackson at all. I agreed that we would make an honest film about his life. The film was fair to his musical achievements and gave him every opportunity to explain himself. I'm not accusing anybody of being a child molester or a pedophile. He was the first witness for the prosecution in Jackson's molestation trial, which we're going to be talking about in just a few minutes. He refused to answer questions from the defense attorneys. Following Jackson's death in 2009, Bashir said Jackson was never convicted of any crime and I never saw any wrongdoing myself. And whilst his lifestyle may have been a bit unorthodox, I don't believe he was a criminal. Well, then why couldn't you have said that after his, you know, prior to his death? In 2021, Michael Jackson's UK publicist stated that he had discouraged him from doing the documentary. And in that same year, many fans demanded an investigation to examine the circumstances surrounding the documentary after it was revealed that Bashir had used fake documents to secure an interview with Diana, Princess of Wales in 1995. Jackson's family also reacted by criticizing Bashir for hoodwinking him and manipulating the footage and stated they were considering legal action. Did so he use that, the term
2: hoodwinked? Because that's not used very often.
1: You know, uh, yes, this was a, uh, this was not, that that was not my words. Got it. I would have used Hornswoggle.
2: That's another good one, Merley used. Hey LD, I hate to interrupt this uh, train we have a roll in on Michael Jackson, but I do want to take a break for our sponsors. And we're back.
1: All right, back to more Michael Jackson. In an attempt to repair his image, Michael released a second interview, Take Two, the footage you were never meant to see, which was broadcast on Fox uh, in the United States and Sky One in the UK. And it was presented by Maury Povich and it contains the material that Bashir omitted. It also features new interviews with people who are close to Jackson, including his former wife, because at this point they were divorced. It also included interviews with his parents, Joseph and Catherine, brother Jermaine, and his close friend, Elizabeth Taylor. In this interview, Roe claimed that it was a request that children wore masks in public. She also pointed out the concept of sharing a bed can be misunderstood. For example, she herself, like, watched television in bed when she had a visitor, they would both watch the TV together in bed. So she's saying it's, like, not a big deal. It also contained interviews with Martin, giving a very different opinion to those that had been given into the interviews, as well as the voiceovers in the documentary. He's shown praising Michael Jackson as a father, as well as saying he thinks that it's wonderful that he allows the children to come to Neverland, though he never made previous statements like that, about Neverland Ranch. He had actually stated something different, which was Neverland Ranch was a dangerous place for children, a direct contradiction of his later statements that he said that he didn't believe Michael Jackson was a criminal. The footage that was shown in the documentary was filmed by Hamid Mosai privately. I think I'm probably butchering that last name. I apologize. Uh, He states that he was not secretly videotaping the interviews, as was popular belief. He said that Bashir knew that they were Both filming, but that Martin did not know that when he told his camera crew to cut, Hamid's was still filming. Part of the footage was not aired because the videographer, Hamid, refused to hand it over, owing a financial dispute with Jackson. It was found by police in a search of his home in 2003, and it showed the accuser's family praising Jackson. Bashir said a 16-second clip that was used to portray him unfairly when he had interviewed Jackson for more than 10 hours. A 10-hour interview? Well, he was also with him for eight months. Still, that's... I could get a, a 10-hour interview in a day. Oh, I'm sure. Depositions are done in days, time, and sometimes last 8, 10, 16 hours. If you're giving a deposition, it could be a long time. Like, that's not... It can.
3: It can take multiple days, actually. Yeah. Depending on what's being discussed and and things of that nature. It, it can actually... Depositions can sometimes actually take a couple of days.
1: Yeah. And... 2000, child cancer patient Gavin Abrezo was introduced to Jackson by a businessman and comedian, Jamie Masada. Uh, Abrezo's father, David, was actually separated from his mother, often asked celebrities for money to support his son's cancer treatment. He was receiving chemotherapy and required the removal of a spleen and a left kidney. Jackson and Abrezo became friends, and Jackson invited Gavin and his family to Neverland Ranch. Avrizo thanked Jackson for helping him and be happy and beat cancer. According to Avrizo, a few visits to Neverland, Jackson suddenly stopped calling him. Gavin said he felt abandoned. In 2002, Jackson invited Avrizo, now 12, to be a part of an ITV documentary, Living with Michael Jackson, the one that we just talked about. Presenter Martin Bashir interviewed Jackson over eight months for the film, and he can be seen holding hands with Gavin, Bashir asked Jackson about the appropriateness of having a grown man having sleepovers and sharing a bed with a person he noted by sharing he clarified that he allowed guests to sleep in his bed alone while he slept on the floor saying that you can have my bed if you want to sleep in it I'll sleep on the floor Jackson also of course insisted that it wasn't sexual he said it's a beautiful thing and that he had shared his bed with many children including the Colkins like we talked about just now From February 14th to February 27th, a few weeks after the broadcast of the documentary, the Los Angeles Department of Child and Family Services conducted a preliminary investigation of Jackson and Gavin. In a confidential report based on the interviews with Gavin, which leaked to the media, child welfare officers stated that they believed accusations of illicit conduct were unfounded. In 2003, Snedden reopened the investigation. In July and August, he interviewed Avrizo along with his father, mother, and brother, star Avrizo. In November, Gavin told police that Jackson had molested him several times between February 7th and March the 10th, 2003, when according to Janet Avrizo, Jackson had held the family captive at Neverland. This timeline was revised in the grand jury indictment which stated the alleged acts of molestation occurred between February 21st and March 12th, 2003. On November 18th, 2003, police searched Neverland Ranch with a search warrant. Jackson and his three children were in Las Vegas. They were shooting a music video for his song One More Chance. Jackson was arrested on November 20th. And he was released an hour later after posting a $3 million bond. Shortly after the arrest, Jackson issued a statement saying that the claims were predicated on a big lie. In an interview with the news program, 60 Minutes, Jackson said that police mistreated him and complained of dislocating his shoulder. He reaffirmed his innocence and, and said that he was determined not to settle out of court as he had done in 1993. In August 2004, the California Ten- Attorney General's office conducted an independent investigation that Jackson was neither mishandled nor mistreated when he was taken into custody. On December 18th, 2003, Jackson was charged with seven counts of child molestation and two counts of administering a t- intoxicating agent for the purpose of committing a felony. On January 16th, 2004, the day of his arraignment, Jackson climbed on top of his car to dance and wave at fans. Do you guys remember that? That was such big news.
2: I absolutely remember that. Yes, I remember that clip. It's specifically.
1: Yeah. T, do you remember that specific date? And because and, people ate this up, they pointed at it like, look at him. What a weirdo. Do you remember that actually happening, T?
3: I remember it happening. Not, not much more than that, but I, I remember when that happened. and Yeah, that was... Another log on the fire for people who thought he was behaving bizarrely and a weird person and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. People saw that as like pointing, going like, look, he's unstable. He's dancing on the car. I just remember that being like a really big deal. And it wasn't (laughs) because... Shouldn't have been. No, but we we really needed entertainment in 2003, didn't we?
3: I guess so.
2: (laughs) Sort of a down year, I guess.
1: So... On April 21st, 2004, a grand jury indicted Jackson on several additional related charges, including conspiracy involving child abduction, false imprisonment, and extortion. Jackson pleaded not guilty on April 30th, and he faced a sentence of up to 18 years in prison if convicted at trial. All right, this is where we get into the dense part, okay? This is just about the trial. The trial began on February 28, 2005, in the courthouse of San Maria, Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara County Judge Rodney Melville presided over the trial. Melville, who had a contentious relationship with the news media, banned cameras from inside the courtroom and put a gag order on both sides. Now, T, have you been involved? Because I know you you do reporting. What What is your view on cameras in the courthouse?
3: I'm supportive of them. And why is that? Um, because a court proceeding is no different than any other open meeting. I.e., the media should be permitted to attend. They should be permitted to take pictures. They should be permitted to broadcast from there. I don't totally understand how it's justified that you don't. I mean, other than if you've ever been in court, pretty much it's it's the judge's it's the judge's house, and he makes the call. And I, I understand that to a point, but on the, another point, I'm like. Yeah, this is this is a public proceeding, and you really don't have the right to keep the media out or disallow them from disseminating information. However, they might do that. That that would be my personal view on it. I've never been I've never been to one where they did that. Um, they make you jump through a lot of hoops to bring cameras and recording equipment. I take that back. Uh, in a in a federal courthouse, you can't bring anything. Nothing. Nothing. You can bring you can bring literally a notebook and a pen, and that's all.
1: Okay, so I remember. At some point last year, you were probably Michael Jackson, but you were missing episodes of the show because you were in... Um, federal federal
3: court, I was. Yeah, I was covering a federal uh, corruption trial. And um, every time I went in there, like if I left to go, to go to lunch and came back, you had to take off your shoes. You had to take off your belt. You had to empty your pockets. You couldn't take your phone in. You can't take any... no, no Nothing that can broadcast or record nothing into a federal courthouse
1: Which um,
3: and then they 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 all but they all but give you a cavity search <laughs> they'll even let you come in the building to start with yeah i, I, I just i don't agree with it. from the safety angles making me take my belt and shoes off okay that's fine but disallowing the media to cover what is an open public event i disagree with
1: i i feel like i'm kind of halfway on the fence about cameras in the courtroom specifically because Look at what's happened to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial right now. Like, you, you,
3: that- no, don't, don't lie, don't lie. You, you're on the fence about it because you just love the court sketches. <laughs> you, there's nothing you love better than than one of those court artists drawing a picture of Johnny Depp,
1: that's, or I, Amber
3: that's, Heard, that's or accurate. of a, or, or of a turd on a bed.
1: That's that's accurate. Yeah, just if if anybody's out there, could you send a police sketch of me, my brother, and my husband? I would frame it and i would love it
3: we will we'll use it to replace the little whatever that what is that thing we have at the top of our facebook page now our logo our logo <laughs> no 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 no! like the not the not the little circular profile picture the big one at the top oh where we're like little cartoon looking oh, yeah, things those are
1: little funko pops those are fun- where i
3: look like where i look like an obese version of shaggy from scooby-doo <laughs> <laughs> like i i'm not obese and i don't have a beard and I don't wear like a green shirt. That's like, a terrible, it's a terrible rendering of me.
1: I literally drew that for you. I made that for you. It sucks. You're a terrible person. And I want to. It sucks. It sucks. I don't have a beard. I'm not fat. Are you fat and wear plaid? <laughs> That's it. Oh, if people
3: knew why that was funny.
1: Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right yeah but Uh, i
3: guess we'll replace it with police sketches So somebody will do one of all three of us
1: yeah we'll pay you for the police sketches we just damn
3: right absolutely we will
1: (laughs) all right well the judge delayed the three-day jury selection process for a week while jackson was hospitalized reportedly with the flu now i also remember this because at some point and i think i wrote about it he actually showed up in his pajamas yes that Um, sounds right yeah I I, i think i remember that yeah Yeah. And people are like, Oh, he looks so weak and frail. Like, dude, have you ever had the flu? It it tears you down, man.
3: Tremendously. I also remember now that, now that you mentioned that, because we we had not conversed about what you were going to discuss today. I actually remember, wasn't there a line of thought that like, Oh, this is he's playing the sympathy card or he just doesn't want to be in court. Or this was a way to get out of it. There were all these theories that people cooked up around that.
1: Yeah. And I do believe I touch on it. If not, I will, I will kind of loop back around and talk about it. But yeah, that there is a, he does some things that made people go, "Eh, is he really faking it or is this an actual thing? So Snedden led the prosecution. I don't know who Snedden is. Uh, I don't have a first name for him, but he is the leader of the prosecution. So there you go. Jackson's legal team attempted to have him and his staff disqualified from the trial, citing bias following his attempts to prosecute Jackson in 1993, which I, I, I could see that, but Melville dismissed those attempts.
3: Yeah, I actually looked the name up. It's Thomas William Snedden.
1: Oh, so there's two Thomases. Yeah. Because there's, there's Thomas, Thomas Sneddon and then Thomas Messero? We're just going to call him Thomas because, uh, and and Snedden, because at least I can pronounce Snedden. At least I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. (laughs) This is not the best week for pronunciation. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say that last week. Wasn't that easy either because I did have that medical stuff. I've got to just pick someone who never had to go to the doctor and only hung around people named John. This is. So we're going to call him Thomas. That's that's the defense, Thomas, and then prosecution will be Sneden. Got it. Melville allowed prosecutors to introduce testimony about past allegations against Jackson, including the 1993 case, to establish whether Jackson had a propensity to commit such crimes. That's a copy and paste. I would never use the word propensity. The prosecution hoped to show that Jackson had engaged in a pattern of sexual abuse with boys. They called on witnesses to describe earlier incidents, including Jackson's alleged abuse of Jordan Chandler, which we spent an entire episode on. The prosecution argued that Jackson used Neverland, his fantasy hideaway. The prosecution argued that Jackson used Neverland as his fantasy hideaway with candy and theme park attractions to lure boys and groom them into sex and flatter their parents with gifts. The prosecution also said that after living with Michael Jackson aired, Michael and his entourage had attempted to, you know, hold Gavin's family virtually captive at Neverland and force them to participate in a rebuttal film. On March 10th, Gavin was about to testify. Jackson was absent from the court. The judge issued a warrant for his arrest and, and said Jackson's $3 million bond would be forfeited if he did not arrive within an hour. Jackson eventually arrived an hour and 10 minutes late and appeared to weep in court. In an interview shortly afterwards, he claimed he had slipped in the shower and bruised his lung very badly. He said the ongoing trial had been the lowest period in his life and denies rumors about his financial problems, saying that they had been a part of a smear campaign. So let's talk about witnesses for the prosecution. First one up, Martin Bashir. On March 1st, Martin, who had interviewed Jackson for the documentary, took the stand uh, and witnessed that while the prosecution showed the documentary to the juries, Bashir refused to answer questions from the defense attorneys. So basically, he pled the fifth and showed people his documentary. Uh, Jason Francia. On April 4th, Jason, whose mother worked as a maid at Neverland Ranch, testified that Jackson had abused him on several occasions when he was seven to 10 years old. Francia said, every time I was being tickled there, there was some sort of exchange for money done with the understanding that he would not tell his mother. His mother said that she had reached an out-of-court settlement with Jackson, reportedly for $2 million. Here's the rub. She sold her stories to the tabloids, National Enquirer, and the TV show Hard Copy, our favorite. Under cross-examination, Francia acknowledged that in his first 1993 interview, he told detectives that Jackson had not molested him. He said that he denied being improperly touched by Jackson because he didn't want to be embarrassed at school. He said he went into counseling until he was 18 years old. Thomas sought to establish that the Francias were goaded into their accusations by an overzealous prosecutor and tempted by money offered for the media. The Neverland staff on April 2005, a former security guard at neverland ranch testified that he had seen jackson performing oral sex on chandler jordy chandler in the early 90s he also described seeing jackson passionately kiss uh, chandler and place his hand on chandler's crotch he said that he did not report the incident because he thought he would not be believed a former maid at the ranch named adrian testified that she had seen jackson kissing boys including the actor macaulay culkin and described touching culkin's leg and rear she told the court that she had seen Jackson touching Chandler's genitals. Colkin denied being molested by Jackson. The defense sought to portray them as unreliable. According to the observer, each witness had a horrific story, yet rather than call the police, each of them sold their stories to a supermarket tabloid. Uh, McManus had previously denied witnessing misconduct from Jackson in the 1993 court deposition while under oath. In 2005, she said that she had lied during that deposition because she feared that Jackson would report her to her superiors if she told the police about the incident. Now, housekeeper Kiki Fornera, and I'm, again, probably killing that pronunciation, uh, testified that the Avrizio children became unruly at Neverland Ranch without any authoritarian figures. She said that the boys trashed their guest rooms and then at one point, Starr pointed a knife at her in Jackson's kitchen. She said, although the boys had guest rooms, they would often stay with Jackson. However, she said she never saw Jackson giving the boys alcohol and never saw them drunk. Cynthia Bell, a flight attendant who had served Jackson, testified that she never saw him share a drink with Gavin or Star. And she said that she had devised the custom of serving Jackson wine in soda cans because Jackson did not like to drink alcohol in front of children bell said that she had not seen jackson cuddling with avarizio during the flight but testified that she had seen jackson putting his arm around him while he was listening to music she said that gavin was demanding complained about the food and was unruly during the flight Philip lamarck which was jackson's cook said that he entered jackson's room and saw jackson with his hand in culkin's underpants lamarck and his wife also a jackson employee had considered selling their story to the tabloids, but then backed out because he thought it was sleazy. Good job, dude. Lamarck said that he had decided not to sell it because it went against our principles. Uh, Jesus Salas, a former house manager at Neverland Ranch, testified that he often saw Jackson drunk or affected by prescription drugs and said that once he saw three teenage boys emerging drunk from the wine cellar after, after having spent some time with Jackson with a prosecution attempt to confirm Jackson serving wine to Myers. Uh, Salas said that he also brought a bottle of wine to Jackson's bedroom. Soda was offered to the children. The judge ruled out the testimony from a, a former security guard who alleged that he saw Jackson in his bedroom with a boy. Then they brought in June Chandler. June Chandler was the mother of Jordan Chandler, the alleged victim in the 1993 abuse allegations trial. Jordan left the country rather than appearing as a witness. So did you guys catch yes, that? I
2: think that sounds really sketchy. Yeah, yeah it does.
1: Jordan just left the country, so he didn't have to, because this is 10 years after the allegations. Right. So, so, yeah. um.
3: I I also want to mention real quick, but there was something about one of the names you mentioned that was bouncing around in my head, and I I looked it up real quick. Uh, Martin Bashir, um, he has credibility issues, or has had, in his journalism career, and you could read up a little on that if you'd like to. I I won't go into specifics, because we're not talking about him, but. Yeah, not not uh, questionable. Very, in many well, cases, yeah.
1: Well, look at look at somebody like Michael Moore, Bowling for Columbine, Roger and Me, Fahrenheit 9/11. You know, even though in some cases I agree with his stance, he has proven that, or at least people have come out and said that they're like I was portrayed differently than I was shown in these documentaries. And so that's the problem is that unless the subject of the documentary is in on the editing and like fully into it, chances are there's going to be stuff in there that you don't want in there. Well, a lot
0: of,
3: a lot of times if you're doing a, a, a news documentary or documentary of any kind, you're, you've decided what the narrative is and you will often edit things to support that narrative. That may be kind of what those people would say about somebody like Moore. Um, there were just... Some you and like I said, I, I'm not gonna go into it, but you you could you could just Google his name. There, there have been some credibility issues with Mr. Bashir in the past.
1: And it seems like that's kind of the um the trend because next episode we will it'll be a longer episode, but we will talk about the documentary. We will be talking about leaving Neverland because that was like the bombshell documentary. And so I want to take a look. At both those sides. So the last episode is going to be a pretty long episode because we have to deal with the last, you know, day of America. I'm I'm really hesitant to make this a 22 part series because I'm I want to listen to Tammy Wynette. (laughs) We've
2: been looking forward to this for some time.
1: Yes, so uh, it might be just a little bit longer, but you know, hopefully, I'll be able to do a little bit of a deep dive into that documentary and why it was so harmful and why I hate it. Even if I believed them, I still hate it. So. Well, we'll talk about that the next episode.
3: I, so, I also love. I also love. yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, I. I thought about doing another episode, but I wouldn't want this to get too long.
1: Shut up.
2: Twenty-one parts, fine. Twenty-two. No, 20, I mean,
3: twenty. I mean, twenty-one is is an acceptable. No, twenty-two is push, Twenty-two is just beyond the pale.
2: That is over the line.
3: That's the bridge too far, sir.
1: <laughs> I just wanted our our episodes to get to be old enough to drink, and here we are. <laughs> is yeah this is this is a. we were so young when this started and we are so old now
2: the world is a different place what can i say
1: <laughs> yeah we, we are so different so so jordy left he just like up and left the country because he didn't want to testify. So June took the stand. She testified that Jordan complained that she would not allow him to spend time in Jackson's bedroom. This appeared to upset Jackson, who had formed a bond with June and her children. June said, Jackson asked her, you don't trust me. We're family. Why are you doing this? She responded that Jordan should be allowed to sleep wherever he wanted, indicating a change of mind. Chandler testified that she had never suspected anything inappropriate between Jackson and and Jordan. She told the court she had not spoken to Jordan in 11 years. So here's where I have a problem with that. You guys settled. That meant that you thought something happened. I and also,
2: like, yeah, also if, by settling, does that mean they both walk away? I know we've talked about this before, but I, I guess I'm a little confused by these proceedings.
1: I think because they are subpoenaed, you are required to show up in court. And I think even, okay. I, I want to say, even though that breaks confidentiality as long as you don't say oh he gave me 23 million dollars to be quiet
2: Mm -hmm. yeah maybe you can't talk about the settlement but you can talk about the facts of the case maybe that's it i don't know
1: i think i don't know uh that's that sounds like a question for legal eagle so let's go to devon i know
2: devon you're listening man take this one
1: do we have devon on no nope okay moving on (laughs) moving on so uh the next person up on the stand was debbie Rowe. Uh, On April 28th, Jackson's ex-wife, Debbie Rowe, was called as a witness to the stand. The prosecution claimed that Rowe was forced into a scripted video statement made in early 2003 in support of Jackson. The prosecution hoped that Rowe's testimony would support Janet of claim that they were held captive and forced to make a supportive statement about Jackson. In her second day of testimony, Rowe said that she had refused to look at the questions before the taping and was eager to support Jackson. And the defense initially wanted Roe dismissed, saying that she was not providing the testimony that the prosecution wanted, boo-hoo. The judge allowed her testimony and the defense withdrew their motion, so she refused to speak in favor of the defense. According to several sources and leaked documents, this has been proved false. Roe described Jackson's business associates and public relations aides Mark Schaffel and Dieter Weisner and Ronald Doe. this is a name, Consner conitizer conitizer as opportunistic vultures who wanted to exploit him then gavin Rizio took the stand gavin was 15 when he testified and he told the court after living with michael jackson air jackson had begun serving him and his younger brother wine sometimes concealed in soda cans showing them pornography and making sexual advances he said that jackson had masturbated him to ejaculation after they drank alcohol and then told him that if men do not masturbate, they might, and please, this is triggering, and it's a quote, they might rape a girl. Challenged by Thomas, who said that Gavin told sheriffs that his grandmother had said, Gavin said that he wasn't sure what his grandmother told him. Gavin had told sheriffs that his grandmother had said this. Gavin said that he wasn't sure what his grandmother told him. Gavin also testified that he had told school administrators that Jackson had not molested him. Then... Gavin's younger brother, Star, took the stand, told the court that he had seen Jackson molest Gavin. He also said that Jackson had displayed his erection and masturbated in front of him, telling them that everyone did it and encouraged them to try it. Star testified that Jackson had given the boys alcohol, sometimes in soda cans, which Jackson called Jesus juice. Jesus
3: juice. There it is. I was waiting on Jesus juice. Yep,
1: that's right. Wait, why is it called Jesus juice?
3: That's apparently what Michael
1: called it. Oh, this was a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, this was a thing that Michael apparently would refer to, I think, wine or some alcoholic beverages he allegedly gave these kids as Jesus juice.
1: Okay. I was unaware of that, which is weird. The term came up a lot, actually, during... I I guess
3: to make it seem palatable to them and appealing, I, I would suppose.
1: Or, like, not as...
3: Not threatening or, yeah. or bad in any way.
1: Yeah, not as not as uh, adult or wrong. I guess it's better than susurp. Oh come on, nothing's better than susurp. P- purple drink. I c- purple, drank. <laughs> purple drink. Purple drink. Purple drink. star also said that jackson had shown the brothers the internet pornography on his computer under cross-examination thomas questioned star about the 1998 case in which his family sued jc penny the family alleged that star his brother and mother were beaten in a parking lot by security guards after leaving with clothes they had not paid for janet abrizo also claimed that uh, she had been sexually assaulted and falsely imprisoned the family received a settlement of I, it's This is in pounds, but $75,000, 75,000 pounds. Okay. It's the L with the little squiggly mark. That's pounds, right?
2: I believe so, yeah. And was it's in nice 19, no, this is
1: 2000? 2000, uh, 1998 was when okay. they, they got the settlement-ish. True.
2: So they wouldn't have had the euro then is my point.
1: Okay. Well, it's, yeah. So it's pound, I guess. In a year 2000 sworn statement for the case, Starr said that his mother and father never fought. Jan and her children claimed that David Avrizio physically abused them for 17 years. Starr admitted that he lied in the statement. The admission was a major victory to the defense. It also stated that the Avrizios had not visited Neverland since March of 2003. However, when shown a pornographic magazine dated August 2003, five months after the family stopped visiting Neverland, Starr claimed that that was one of the magazines that Jackson had shown them. Starr would later attempt to recant his testimony to Janet Averezio, The defense sought to portray Janet as a, an untrustworthy woman with a history of perjury and fraud. She admitted to having lied under oath in earlier lawsuits. The prosecution planned to have an expert on domestic violence testify that she might have lied because she had been beaten by her then ex-husband, but the judge did not allow it, saying that it would be irrelevant. The defense also presented evidence of Janet having committed welfare fraud, for which she was later convicted. In regards to the JCPenney case, which she apparently eventually settled for, the defense brought in a welfare worker who stated that Janet had failed to disclose her her receipt of that settlement that her family had received just days before filling out a welfare application. Paralegal testified that Janice had lied to win the lawsuit, claiming that the bruises caused by her then husband had actually been caused by the JCPenney security guards. This is a mess. The editor of the Mid-Valley News, Connie Keenan, said that she was duped by Janet into writing a story about Gavin's illness because Janet wanted to make additional money when the original story didn't make enough. Other witnesses for the defense showed that Janet had spent $7,000 shopping and dining out at the same time that she alleged Jackson kept her and her family captive. Janet's sister-in-law offered to help of Rizio's treatment by holding blood donation campaigns. She said that Janet swore at her and rejected the offer. Jurors described Janet's testimony as weak. They also found it strange that she snapped her fingers and addressed them directly. The New York Times described her testimony as rambling, incoherent, and at times combative. One juror questioned Janet's values as a mother, believing that she had taught her children to lie to gain money and favors from celebrities. So that was the witness for the prosecution. It sounds like a mess, doesn't it? Yeah, it's all over the board. I mean, it's just craziness. TJ?
3: Yeah, no, it, no, it, just, it sounds like a complete mess to me. A lot of contradictory stuff flying around.
1: Well, I think that the defense did they in the burden of proof on the prosecution. And it sounded oh, like
3: always, always. Yes.
1: It sounded like they fell apart because people had sold their stories. This woman's committing fraud. You know, even Debbie Rowe was like, I don't know why I'm here for the prosecution because he's fine. Like he, he gave, you know, he, He's a good dad, and we don't have a problem here.
3: That's really core witness selection. It
1: is. And then...
3: On on somebody's part.
1: And then you have Jordan Chandler, who's just like, I'm out, left the country. And then, you know, his mom basically coming on and like, I didn't actually have a problem. Like, it's... Yeah, it's...
3: If they find you to serve a subpoena on you, you got to call. But if they can't, then you don't.
1: So he was just playing a really complex game of hide and seek?
3: Sort of, (laughs) yes. Strategically, yes.
1: Hey, fair. So... According to Jackson's defense attorney, Susan Yu, over 500 witnesses were prepared in this case. That is insane. That's a tad excessive. How do you find That's, yeah, that's, that's a, a trifle that's excessive. excessive.
3: That's a trifle excessive, absolutely. <laughs> but I will also say in big trials, witness lists are considerably longer than the number that ever actually end up testifying.
1: Well, even with this case that we're you know watching now with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, they were saying like, oh, James Franco might do this, and this person might show up, and this person is a prospective witness or whatever. So yeah, I've gotten all of my legal information from the Johnny Depp-Amber Heard trial. <laughs> so I think I know a little bit about-
3: A masterclass in legal scholarship.
1: Actually, if I can just say, sidestepping for a moment, Camille Vasquez, I think that's her last name, is a- hell of a lawyer so uh if i ever get in trouble i hope it's in california or i hope it's in virginia and she can help me out
3: oddly sometimes they'll even subpoena you and you'll be in court and they don't ever call you i've seen that too
1: yeah well it's because they're constantly aren't they just constantly updating what the narrative is um from both sides because if somebody calls a particular witness and they say well we can't use you now because well, you're they'll, they'll,
3: yeah you. or, or sometimes they'll decide. And it's done in the absence of the jury. Always, okay. This guy had uh, this um, offense on his record, uh, and the judge will decide pro- with in the absence of the jury that can't be used, or it, it's there's sort of an agreement. This person is not going to be allowed to testify. But then you have an incident like since you're using Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, where I, I think it had sort of been decided that uh, Kate Moss was not going to be brought up, but once the defense mentioned her then it's fair game for the prosecution to say okay well we've got her uh, on here she is and she's going to refute everything you just said it's a there's a it's a total cat and mouse game a lot of times
1: well it's kind of a show isn't
3: it oftentimes yeah especially in these bigger more high profile ones for sure absolutely it is
1: I mean, Kate Moss wasn't even being considered. But then the minute that they said something about Kate Moss, they're like, well, we can call her now because defense opened the door. The door was open. Correct. So for, for the defense attorney, they said, you know, 500 were prepared. Not nearly that many were seen. Now, here are some of the ones that I felt like I needed to highlight, especially since we're going to be talking about leaving Neverland next week. The first one is, of course, Macaulay Culkin. Former child star Macaulay Culkin testified that he had shared a bed with Jackson, but had never been amused, never seen Jackson act inappropriately, contrary to what many of the prosecution's witness testimonies had said. He said that his parents had known that he was in Jackson's bedroom and never saw it as an issue. He described shock at hearing allegations that Jackson had molested him and dismissed them as absolutely ridiculous. Colkin said they had bonded over their shared experience of child stardom. The next one, this is one of those names you need to remember, Wade Robson. Wade testified as Jackson's first defense witness that he had slept in Jackson's bedroom several times but had never been molested. Robson recalled his first visit at Neverland in 1989 and slept in Jackson's bedroom on all but three or four of his 20 or so visits. He said they played video games, watched movies, talked, and sometimes had pillow fights. Years later, Wade claims that he lied at the 2005 trial. According to a 2014 Daily Beast article, prosecutors wanted to name Safechuck, who had provided witness statements in defending Jackson in the 1993 suit as one of the singer's alleged victims. However, and that's Johnny Safechuck, we've actually talked about him before. However, Safechuck declined to participate in the 2005 trial and the prosecutors excluded him as a potential victim. She- Safechuck later claims that he had lied in the statement given to the prosecutors in the 1993 investigation. So he had lied. He-, he stated that he had lied in the 1993. So these both these guys, I feel like, have perjured themselves if they state that they lie. What happens? Made-
2: I thought there's punishment. Can't they be brought up on charges then? Perjury?
1: You would think, but they haven't. The next one up was Brett Barnes. Barnes first met Jackson at the age of five when Jackson went to Australia during one of his tours. He shared a bedroom with Jackson at least 10 times, but denied any impropriety. Barnes was aware of the prosecutor's witness testimonies claiming that they had seen Jackson touch him inappropriately. In response, Barnes said, I'm very mad about it. It's not true. And they put my name through the dirt. I'm really not happy about it. Barn restated his denial of any molestation charges. George Lopez showed up and testified that he had given money to Gavin's family when Gavin was fighting cancer but came to believe that Gavin's father was more interested in money than helping his son. Lopez cut ties with the family after the father became more demanding. Lopez also said that his father accused him of stealing $300 from Gavin's wallet. When the father asked what he was supposed to tell his son, Lopez testified that he responded, tell him that his father is an extortionist.
2: That's the George Lopez, correct?
1: I believe that is the wow. George Lopez. Because it's, he said that he was giving his family money when Gavin was fighting cancer. Right. The next one up, Jay Leno. Jay Leno testified about his relationship with the family. Leno made approximately 20 phone calls to sick children in each week. He began receiving voicemail messages from Gavin, a 10-year-old cancer patient in 2000. Gavin called Leno his hero which Leno felt as unusual. I'm not Batman. It sounded suspicious when a young person gets overly evasive. Leno also said that he heard another voice in the background of one of the calls. His defense argued that it was Janet telling Gavin what to say. Another one. Chris Tucker, a comedian, Chris Tucker said that he had felt sorry for the Avrizo's and bought them gifts and given them money. He felt that they expected too much, calling him their brother and taking advantage of him. He testified that he warned Jackson about the family who he called cunning. And in this, they actually allowed information and evidence from the previous allegations to be used in the trial. But the 1994 settlement initiated by the Chandlers was deemed irrelevant and inflammatory the prosecution's attempt to subpoena evidence from the settlement as an in- indictment of guilt. Thomas argued that Jackson was not liable of any of the claims claims made by the argument, but that Jackson's insurance company, Transamerica Insurance Group, was responsible for it. The insurance company negotiated the settlement over protests from Jackson and his legal counsel. The settlement included no admissions of wrongdoing or guilt. Otherwise, it would violate the California Insurance Code. The insurance company had the right to settle claims covered by the insurance when it decides settlement is expedient and may not interfere with nor prevent such settlements. I think basically that's just saying like, hey, if you're in the wrong, we're not going to cover this. But going back to Amber Heard's case now since of course like that's fresh on everybody's mind um uh, her actual litigation team is being paid for by her insurance according to popcorn planet and
3: and it's like her home insurance policy isn't it
1: yes it's It's,
3: not like a specific insurance that that would cover things like this like it's like her like home and fire <laughs> insurance plan or something something strange that is yeah.
2: peculiar yeah
3: but the other thing in in retrospect and you wouldn't have known all this at the time how many people ended up changing their stories about this over the course of time
1: it's innumerable who is telling the truth and why because you it, literally but
3: it, it's like well you know they you said this in 93 now you're saying this now you said he was a good guy then and now you're changing your story you're saying he or they said he was good at this trial, and then a few years later, they changed it. It's just a lot of people flip-flopping and changing their stories, and which, and again, we don't we don't have any idea what happened. None of us were there, so we don't know. But it makes it it seems to that that seems to chisel away at that credibility to me. If your story stays consistent and never changes, okay, well that's that's more believable. But if you said one thing in two thousand three and then something else in two thousand five, it's just it's a little less believable to me. I
1: also find it very suspect that if you had the best interests of kids in mind, don't go to the National Enquirer and steal your story, call the cops. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the problem I have. If I know that there's abuse happening in that household, I'm not going to let him just get away with it and be like, I'm going to go talk to the son. No, you call the cops. And that's why I felt like a lot of his people were very, su- like a lot of the prosecutions people were a lot suspect because they had sold their stories. Multiple people sold their stories.
2: It seems like they're just out for whatever money they can grab, whether that be from the lawsuit or the publicity surrounding the lawsuit. I mean, that that seems to be a through line, especially with, uh, was it Evan Chandler's dad as the dentist? was that
1: Evan Chandler is the father.
2: He Jordan- is the father. Okay, Jordan Chandler, yeah, cuz he was the one who was involved in all that stuff and had the money issues and You just kind of trailed off. Are you there? I'm oh, sorry. Sorry. No, no. I, it seems to be motivated by money. If you take this same scenario and Make the accused your average Joe makes you know fifty thousand a year. He'd be in jail. He'd be in jail. They would have pursued criminal charges. It feels like it's motivated by money.
1: No, and I fully agree. I feel like you're either out for publicity or you're out for cash. Because again, Michael Jackson said, "The bigger the star, the bigger the target," and that's true. Like he was the biggest star, and of course, like people are going to take advantage of that. Now, I'm not saying that he's innocent or guilty. I don't. I don't want to share my opinion on that. But in this case, the the prosecution is pretty darn shaky because I feel like your people had their own interests in mind and not the interest of these kids. So we just talked about the insurance thing. And they said that the settlement can't prevent criminal investigations or criminal proceedings. Neither can non-disclosure agreements. Bribery to not testify in a trial is a felony and accepting such bribes are also a felony. So basically they're saying like on both sides, nobody was supposed to be coerced into giving their answers. So if Wade Robson said, I wasn't touched and Michael gave him money or prosecution gave, you know, Jordan Chandler or June Chandler money and say, oh yeah, I was worried about my son. Like that is illegal. So when you walk into a, a trial, you're hoping that both sides tell the story to the best of their abilities and you want the correct outcome. And why taint that with money? You know, so basically that's, you're dealing with someone's civil liberties and it would really mess up his due process, Jackson's due process. Although it's
3: okay to pay expert witnesses.
1: It is totally fine to pay expert witnesses, but they can't have, I don't believe they can have actually treated somebody, correct? Like you can bring in an IT guy, as long as that IT guy, isn't your IT guy that like works on your personal computer. I,
3: I think that, I think that's correct. Yes.
1: Okay. Again, we don't know. A ton about the law and everything that I've learned about the law happened during the O.J. Simpson trial and the Amber Heard versus Johnny Depp trial. That is pretty much it. That's. And but no, I watched- no,
3: I think you're right. I, I have been in enough courtrooms that you're correct. It's, it's You don't bring in an expert witness that is specific to the person that, that you're dealing with.
1: Right. So, again, like it can be an IT guy, but it can't be your IT guy.
3: Correct. I, I think it, that, that's how that works, I believe. You bring in
1: a psychologist, but you can't bring in your psychologist.
3: Right. Most of the ones I've seen are like crime scene experts. Um, uh, uh, they're experts in various tenets of law enforcement or investigations or, or things like that. But it's almost always, it's, it's always someone, been someone from outside the case. It's not a person who was, who dealt with the case that's being tried specifically.
1: Correct. I think that's, I think that's right. Again, if you are out there and you hold a law degree, please write us in because we don't know this stuff a hundred percent. Like my brother knows a lot more because he spent more times in courtrooms than I have. And I,
3: and, and and well, and then of course you watch judge Wapner and Doug Llewellyn. I mean, so okay. I think you're, you're grounded pretty, you know, that that's pretty secure. That's, yeah. that's our type.
1: I watch, I watch true TV. I watch forensic files. I know all about this. I am an expert. I also stayed at a day's end last night. So I'm pretty much an expert. Is that still a thing? Does that joke?
3: holiday. It was Holiday Inn Express, but it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> whatever.
1: <laughs> okay, good. Okay. Right. So the verdict the jury deliberated for about 32 hours over seven days. On the initial vote, nine jurors voted to acquit, three voted guilty. And on June 13th, 2005, when they returned with a verdict of not guilty on, on all charges, the jurors found the prosecution's case weak and a timeline of accusations problematic because they had claimed the molestation occurred after the broadcast of the documentary when the world's attention was on Jackson and Gavin. One jury believed that the mother was a scam artist. Now, before I <laughs> before I move on, because uh, we still have a little bit more to talk about, do you guys remember the woman that was outside of the courthouse Listening to the verdicts being read,
2: I only do because I think this was on trivia the other it night, was, wasn't it?
1: It was on the Big Fat Quiz, yes. And you got it. I, I knew it. I,
3: totally. I, do, I do not. I do not recall her.
1: There was a woman standing outside in the parking lot, and with every single verdict was revealed, she would reach into a cage and release a white dove. She would kiss it and let it go, and then kiss it and let it go. I don't know why, but I found that amusing.
2: So did uh, she just bring a whole bunch of doves, hoping like? not guilty or else they'd all just sit in the cage? I mean, what was the, I makes you wonder it. what the alternative outcome was.
1: No, she would just wander out into a field and just gone like, oh, and then let them go. Womp womp. Oh, burp, burp, burp. I guess if he'd
3: been found guilty, like Ozzy was going to come bite one of them's head off or something, maybe.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, crazy terrain. In a news conference held after the trial, a jury said, we expected better evidence, something that was a little bit more convincing, and it just wasn't there. Snedden suggested that Jackson's celebrity status and the media had influenced the verdict. The jury foreman, a retired high school counselor, said, we looked at all the evidence, and we looked at Michael Jackson, and one of the first things that we decided was that we looked at him as just another person and not a celebrity. After the trial, after a trial that had a circus-like atmosphere, whose proceedings seem to sometimes be upstaged by Jackson's antics, like I said, including showing up late in pajamas on one occasion. At least some of the jurors seem to place the onus on the alleged victim's mother, Janet. According to NPR, allowing a child to sleep with any non-family member, one of the female jurors asked, according to NPR, what mother in her right mind would allow that to happen? Within months, Prosecutors charged Janet with fraud and perjury related to statements made at the Jackson trial, and she agreed to a plea deal the following year. The trial attracted much international attention after several commenters described it as a media circus. It absolutely was. If you watch any of the news of people like hanging out the courthouse, it was mayhem, madness. I don't even know how people got into the courtroom. And um, I don't know how they let people into like be able to see the proceedings. Cause I'm curious if it was like oh, a-
3: usually, usually it's a lottery system and they give you a bracelet for big trials like that.
1: Yeah. Cause there's like, I think again, sorry to go back to Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Uh, I think there's a hundred tickets a day and people were sleeping out on the streets to get a spot in the gallery, which I find bananas. I'm like, I'm not going to Virginia to stand outside to look at the back of somebody's head for like eight hours you can't you can't drink you can't eat poor johnny depp can't smoke you know i'm pretty sure there are other smokers in there too which was i think why he was doodling and stuff but like outside was friggin' mayhem and people would like throw him gifts and like hold up signs and you know going back to michael it was kind of the same thing it was just like people were bananas They just wanted to catch a glimpse of him. It was a complete circus. When news of the raid on Jackson's home broke, many channels switched to a 24-hour rolling coverage of the story. CBS, NBC, ABC, and VH1 produced television specials. The media covered Jackson's health, dress, behavior, uh, like when he hopped on the car and waved to fans. The E! News Network, Sky TV, collaborated to reproduce reenactments from highlights of the trial, which were broadcast daily. And those reenactments use lookalike actors with impersonator Edward Moss portraying Jackson. (laughs) It's just so stupid. So in 2010, British journalist Charles Thompson wrote an article for the Huffington Post in which he described the trial as one of the most shameful episodes in journalistic history. Uh, He describes the media coverage as out of control. The sheer amount of propaganda, bias, distortion, and misinformation was beyond comprehension. In the same journal, Luca... Navosky wrote the trial displayed media at their worst sensationalism exclusivity negativity eccentricities chaos hysteria were some of the worst features, for example, according to uh, Luca when pornography was found in Jackson's home many media outlets reported it as child pornography. Luca also observed that the media was more interested in reporting the prosecution than the defense. For example, the Hollywood Reporter chose not to report on the two weeks of the defense case, which is, that seems lopsided.
2: Yeah, if you're covering a trial, a legal process, wouldn't you want to cover uh, the entire
1: process? the,
3: The entire other half of it would seem like a thing you'd be interested in.
2: Yeah, apparently not. Sounds like the Court of Public Opinion already had their verdict. That's what it sounds like.
1: Yeah, well... I would say that the media had their their opinion and that's what they were going to show. I mean, you say, you know, fair and balanced. The only person I've seen report on the news in a fair and balanced manner is Steve Lookner of Agenda Free TV, who's just like, let's look at Twitter. That's it.
2: Except when Twitter went down, that was amazing. There was nothing fair and balanced about that. He just lost his mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you guys don't know, who Agenda Free TV is. His name is Steve Lookner. And I'm not kidding. You know, the scene in, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the scene in Spider-Man No Way Home where J. Jonah Jameson is basically in like his garage with a green screen. That's kind of what Steve Lookner does. I'm, I swear, I think he's just in his garage at his house and he's just like, now the news. And it's amazing. But he reports on everything that's out there. He bring You know, he he comes out and he shows you like, here's the press conference. Here's what people are saying about it. Here's the news that we've got so far. And he has no agenda. He's the only person that I've ever seen report on the news that just doesn't have a bias. And it's kind of refreshing. And uh, I, I, I totally dig him. Um, but uh, yeah, his, his meltdown when Twitter went down was amazing. Uh, following the trial, Thomas said that Jackson would no longer allow people to enter his room and would no longer easily allow people to enter his life. He had become a target for people who wanted to extract money or build careers. Jackson moved to the Persian Gulf Island of Bahrain as a guest of the Sheikh Abdullah. According to Jackson's brother Jermaine, unbeknownst to Jackson, the family had intended to send him to Bahrain had he been convicted. Which seems kind of crazy. You don't know, that's bad. Don't do that. Jackson then lived in Ireland. Sadly, he never returned. To the neverland ranch he said that it had been despoiled by police searches so he would never go home again michael jackson's attorney said that the pop singer had made the middle east nation of bahrain not the neverland ranch of his permanent home his attorney thomas declined to comment on local speculation that jackson had planned to sell neverland ranch but the singer was happy in his new home he's looking much better he's with his children And he's moving on with life, Thomas said. He lives permanently in Bahrain and his friends have been there are very loyal and helpful to him during such a difficult period of his life. Jermaine Jackson reported that he had close ties with that royal circle and earlier that year planned to unveil a charity theme song written by a son of the nation's king. As for the king of pop, he appeared to have a warm reception In the Persian Gulf in August, according to press reporters, Jackson visited the Gulf's region trade and tourism hub of Dubai, where he hobnobbed with friends and local celebrities. Thomas said that he saw Jackson a few weeks ago at the time of the printing of this uh, article that I'm pulling from. In London, where the singer was reportedly working on a charity single to benefit the victims of Hurricane Katrina. My God, has it been that long since Hurricane Katrina? Yes, yes, it is. Geez. Felicia Cody, a gallery owner in Los Obelos, which me and Will the Thrill have been to on several occasions. Which one is this? Los Obelos. Oh, yes. I enjoy it. We love that little town. That It's it's seriously, I've, I tried to explain to Will before I took him, I was like, this is the kind of town that either A, is the town in a Hallmark or Lifetime Christmas movie, or it's the town that you get stuck in a time loop in. I wouldn't mind getting stuck there. there I think there are worse places you could wind up. They got a lot of booze and olive oil and olive oil when asked about whether or not they were going to, they were going to miss Michael Jackson, several of the residents of Los Ovalos and, you know, the Valley spoke out, including this Felicia Cody, who was a gallery owner said that she'd miss the entertainer coming by to buy some of the art and his friendship. He's definitely going to be missed. No question about it. He's a beautiful man. He's an artist and he understands the life of an artist. An employee of a nearby school would only say that the ranch has always been very good to us. Others were all but saying good riddance, noting that the ranch had become a media circus after he was charged with molestation in 2003. It's fine by me. It takes the pressure and the spotlight light off the community, said former Santa Barbara County Sheriff Jim Thomas, because we don't have enough Thomases in this episode. Um, The close associate of County District Attorney Thomas Sneedon, the man who prosecuted Jackson, It's a nice, quiet little town and anything that brings less attention to the community, the better. All right, so this is where we kind of flash through a lot of years because uh, remember, he's not touring. He's not recording. He's not doing music videos. He's not releasing anything. He doesn't have any films. So I'm just going to talk about some of the things that highlighted through some of the years. This is 2006 financial troubles forced closure on the main house in Neverland ranch. Jackson agrees to a Sony backed refinancing deal. Jackson makes his first public appearance since the trial in order to accept eight records from the Guinness book of world records in London, including most successful entertainer of all time. In late 2006, Jackson agreed to share joint custody of his first two children with then-ex-wife Debbie Rowe. In April of 2006, Jackson agreed to use a piece of his ATV catalog stake, then worth about $1 billion, as collateral against his $270 million worth of loans from Bank of America. Bank of America sold the loans to Fortress Investments, an investment company that buys distressed loans the year before. Can you just repeat that number again? Which one? The 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 1, Bank of America. The one billion as collateral, or the two hundred seventy million worth of loans from Bank. That one. Two
2: hundred seventy million.
1: Yeah. 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 And I'm like stressing over my three thousand dollar credit card bill to Sammy's camera.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a small <laughs> potatoes. All things considered.
1: <laughs> Accurate. Uh, as part of the agreement, Fortress Investments provide Jackson a new loan of three hundred million with reduced interest payments. Uh, I can't even read these numbers, this is not real numbers. Sony Music would have the option to buy half of his stake or about 25% of the catalog at a set price. Jackson's financial managers had urged him to shed part of his stake to avoid bankruptcy. The main house at Neverland was closed as a cost-cutting measure while Jackson lived in Bahrain. At least 30 of Jackson's employees had not been paid on time and were owed $306,000 in back wages. Jackson was ordered to pay $100,000 in penalties. In early 2006, it was announced that Jackson had signed with a Bahrain-based startup to seize records. Nothing came of that deal. And Two C's Records CEO Guy Holmes later said that it was never finalized. That October, Fox News reported that Jackson had been recording at a studio in Ireland. It was not known what Jackson was working on or who paid for the sessions. His publicist stated that by this time he had left Two C's, which of course we know was never finalized. In November 2006, Jackson invited Access Hollywood camera crew into the studio in Ireland and MSNBC reported that he was working on a new album. Produced by Will I Am. On November 15th, Jackson briefly performed We Are the World at the World Music Awards in London and accepted the Diamond Award, honoring the sales of over 100 million records sold. Oof. The event was Jackson's last public performance in his lifetime. He returned to the US in December 2006, settling in Las Vegas and attending James Brown's funeral in Augusta, Georgia, later that month. He actually gave a eulogy calling Brown his greatest inspiration. In 2007, Jackson Sony brought another music publishing company, Famous Music LLC, formerly owned by Viacom. The deal gave him rights to songs by Eminem and Beck, among others. In a brief interview with the Associated Press in Tokyo, Jackson said that he had no regrets about his lifelong career, despite his difficulties and the deliberate attempts to hurt him. That March, Jackson visited the US Army post in Japan at Camp Zama to greet over 3,000 troops and their families. September 2007, Jackson was still working on his next album, which he never completed. For the 25th anniversary of Thriller in 2008, Jackson and Sony released Thriller 25 with two new uh, remixes as singles The Girl Is Mine 2008 and Wanna Be Starting Something 2008 for Jackson's 50th birthday. Sony BMG released a series of greatest hits albums, King of Pop, with different track lists for different regions. In 2008, Fortress Investments threatened to foreclose on the Neverland Ranch with Jackson, having used collateral for his loans. Fortress sold Jackson's debts to Colonial Capital LLC in November. Jackson transferred Neverland's ranch title to Sycamore Valley Ranch Company LLC, a joint venture between Jackson and Colonial Capital LLC. The deal earned him $35 million. Jackson arranged to sell a collection of his memorabilia of more than a thousand items through Julian's auction house. On the eve of his first public exhibit, Jackson canceled the auction after earning between 200 million to 300 million of initial sales from a series of concerts to be held in London. So if you guys notice that we're ending on 2008, this is where we're actually going to end the episode. I think you guys all know where we're going to pick up next time. Thoughts? I
2: I can't help but go back to what I was saying earlier about this trial and how it seems very money focused doesn't it also seem like the kids are being kind of steered in what they're saying in the courtroom it really sounds that way
1: yeah it it seems like the parents are coercing their children
2: yeah. And then then you get stories that change and things that, you know, they come back years later and say that did happen or it didn't happen. There's just so little consistency. And it feels like whenever someone was speaking sort of of their own free will, like Macaulay Culkin, his first thing was, no, that never happened, you know. Um, but, you know, the Chandler boy and all the others, it feels like they're strongly being coached in what they're saying.
1: Yeah, it does. It, it, it feels like there's a lot of coaching and there was a lot of money grabbing.
2: Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Again, I think if you take this case with an average Joe, guy'd be thrown in jail and that'd be the end of it. You know, probably. that'd be it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, it's just the stories are not real consistent. It just seems like mm-hmm. to me. I mean, well, well these people are they say one thing before the trial and they say something else during the trial. And then seven, eight years later, they come back and say something else. It's just really, you know, like I said earlier, that just makes it the whole thing less believable to me.
2: Agreed, yeah, it's all over the I
3: mean, if, you're, if your story is consistent, at least, you know, it may, you, I mean, hell, you may still be
2: lying, <laughs> but sure, you're a lot yeah. more
3: believable than if you say one thing and then you change your mind and you come back and say something else.
2: And and I'm not saying this to imply that, you know, I have, I don't know if Michael Jackson did what he was accused of or not. I have no idea. All I know is the sound of it is it seems very orchestrated.
3: Certainly, this did, a lot of yes. this did, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's weird to think that where you were in a stretch where he's not putting out any any music, he's not really doing anything entertainment-wise. Yeah, no. Because you felt like he was omnipresent for so long, and it's like, oh, well, no,
2: there's a big stretch here. He wasn't, he wasn't doing anything. Yep, and then he goes to nothing. And he, again, he doesn't make a public appearance again at all. That's it, and, his, and then he passes. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Honestly, like, if they were just going after, like, I want Jackson put in jail. I don't want any money. I don't want anyone knowing my name. I don't want anything. I just want Jackson to go to jail. I, I want
3: justice for these children.
1: Yes. If it had been justice for the kids, I would have believed you. But the fact is, you guys are going after money. You guys are going after fame. You didn't care if your kids' names got splashed in the, the media. You were fine. Like, I'm sorry. It, if that were the case, I would not have let my kid sleep in Michael Jackson's bed.
2: Yeah, especially after the trial that had happened, you know, not 10 years before.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like What? So that's, that's my, my final thoughts on, on that trial and the case. So that's pretty much where we're going to end this episode this week. So we've got one more year left in Michael Jackson's life. And I know I kind of rolled through about three years or two, two to three years of his life pretty quickly. But as you can see, it was, you know, it, it was more of the business side of things because next episode is going to be Pretty long, pretty heavy, pretty sad, but we will be ending our series on Michael Jackson. All right, so I'm going to give out our socials if you guys would like to send us uh, any info on the law, uh, anything, if you want to send me pronunciation corrections for any names that I managed to butcher because I know I did that plenty of times in this episode, you can do that. Or if you want to send us those pictures, the, the courtroom pictures of me, Will the Thrill, and TJ2, the Deuce, we would appreciate that. So if you're a courtroom portrait artist, uh, hit us up. We would love to. We'd love to have that. That would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So our social stuff. You can check us out. Uh, if you think that we're doing a good job, we are restructuring our Patreon. So uh, if you'd like to donate, you're more than welcome to. But we will be restructuring that as soon as we move, and hopefully we'll be moving soon. Uh, you can do that at Patreon.com/backslash Rock and Roll Heaven. You can find us at Twitter at Rock and Roll LT. Our Instagram Rock and Roll Heaven LT. Our Facebook Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. Come over there, hang out. We always. You know, update with uh, any kind of music news, any past episodes that we've done. Uh, we just we we enjoy talking to you guys and hearing your opinions on stuff. So that's a, a really fun place to catch up with us. Still not saying our website and our TikTok is Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. There you can find fun facts. Uh, another fun fact was if you guys noticed that today there was no Manfred Mann's Earth Band reference of the podcast,
2: but there is now. Ah!
1: <laughs> and actually, one
2: episode we did two just to cover our butts. So we may have just cashed that one in.
1: Yeah, I felt like the subject matter for this was a little bit too dark to ever bring in a Man from Pans or fan reference to the podcast. But uh, you can email us too if you want to reach us that way. that You can uh, do that at rock and rollheavenlt at gmail.com. And please make sure to check out all the other Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com. All right. So, Will, would you like to say something to the audience?
2: I would like to say thank you for listening. Uh, This journey with Michael Jackson is almost coming to a close. We have now more content than anybody on the subject. So if you haven't caught up in the last 20 episodes, uh, you may want to do that before next week. That's just my
1: advice. Yep. All right. TJ, do you have anything you'd like to say to our audience? All right. All right. And so really quick, since Michael Jackson didn't put out really any new music or new content what i'm gonna allow you to do is pick out literally any michael jackson song ever recorded that you would like to hear on the last part of this so tj what song would you like
3: to hear because i literally we didn't do do, uh the way you make me feel which is one of my favorites but back when we were discussing bad
1: all right uh will what would yours be
2: i can't argue that because that is an amazing song
1: All right, so we are going to end this week on dealer's choice, which is The Way You Make Me Feel by Michael Jackson.